Daniel's on Daniel here. Father, we just thank you for Daniel. We thank you for the word that you've given him already. God, I pray that the words that, were, that are going to come out of his mouth this morning are, um, are, are, are words of life and words of truth. Holy Spirit, we're just asking you to speak and uh, to move powerfully this morning. Um, and uh, we're, we're sitting with open ears and open hearts, uh, listening and ready for you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Missed you guys last week. Um, I did listen to the message, and I'm, I am a bit disappointed. I thought we were going to have pyrotechnics this week. Uh, I thought we were promised that last week. It's not in the budget. Well, I'm hoping next week, I think the drummer's going to be back. So if nothing else, if we could just get like a wind machine or some sparklers or something like that, um, I would I think it would be pretty cool. Pyrotechnics are good. I think Jeremy West agrees, especially if we can use them on Wednesday nights. So, but I'm excited to be with you all today. Real quick, before I get going, um, I just want to talk about the Phase 3 app. If you're not on there, get on it. It's, it's great. Um, that way, if, if you can't be with us on a, on a Sunday and come in and talk to everybody, you can still find out there's a lot of prayer requests on there. Uh, the calendar is on there. You can do your giving on there. So I really think you should be on the Face Street app. I like getting the emails as well, so that way I can find out what's going on with those that I don't really get to see on Sunday. So that's just a little plug for the app. If you're not on there, do it. It is, it is a great way to still stay uh, in touch with the church family. And we're going to continue this week in the Acts of the Apostles. Pastor Justin uh, started that last week. Uh, he went into detail about what it takes to be an apostle. The apostles actually were with Jesus. They got to see Jesus in action. And he also talked about how the book of Acts is descriptive rather than prescriptive. So that, that's really important, especially as you get into reading it. It gives you a different mindset as you're going. Now, um, I did listen to the sermon, and I'm going to point out an inaccuracy from last week. Um, Pastor Justin was talking about sports and how in most sports you're allowed to, you know, if you play a man down, that's your fault. Well, the greatest sport in the world, the most played sport in the world is soccer. Competitive badminton. Um, If you play a man down in badminton, you're really in trouble. Um, But in soccer, the greatest sport in the world, you can actually be given a red card. And that's when the official feels like what you did was bad enough to reach into his pocket, pull out a little red card, and tell you that you can watch the rest of the game from your car. I haven't received a red card this year um, in 2021, so it's going pretty good. But I just wanted to, in soccer, when you do that, now there are times that the team can come back and tie or win, which that kind of doesn't go along with the message. But in soccer, you can do that. So the Bible does tell us to re rebuke and, and correct in all righteousness. So I wanted to, to make sure we got that out of the way before we got started. But it's exciting to be going through Acts because Acts is kind of like a sequel to the Gospels. It's kind of like you had Jesus. Life, death, resurrection. And then what are we going to do now? So then we get into the book of Acts. And, you know, it's, it's kind of exciting because Jesus is there in the start and then he ascends to heaven. And then they have to pick a, an apostle to replace Judas. And that's what we learned about last week with Matthias and, or Matthias, however you want to say it. And it was pretty cool that he pointed out they, had, they were all so good that they just cast lots. And they chose him, and, and nobody else really got mad. Could you imagine that being done today? 
Well, why didn't you pick me? But anyway, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that they can do it like that because a lot of times when somebody gets replaced, it's disappointing. Do you remember when they all made Shemp one of the three stooges? That was horrible. And then if, if for, for you parents with small children, Blue's Clues, they've got a revolving door there now. And then the, one of the biggest disappointments in my life was the Dukes of Hazard when they tried to replace them with these two guys. Did any of y'all remember that? That was absolutely horrible. So that's, that's not how it was when they replaced the apostles. So anyway, back to Acts. Acts is where a lot of people consider today's modern church was established there in the upper room. And we had the Holy Spirit coming on people in tongues of fire. And people were speaking in different languages. And the number of believers, they said, was added to daily. And then comes one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's where Peter and John heal the lame beggar. Uh, it's been one of my favorites since Sunday school. Man, whenever I, I hear or read, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have is the name of Jesus, so get up and walk, and he did. That's kind of, that's kind of, it gives me kind of goosebumps when I, when I read about it. I, I really wish they had a Pentecost. Did they walk around with like a Pentecostal organ player? You know, somebody with like a, or something? Like when they're talking, they're, Wee! You know, when they do that behind the preachers? Or if they did the uh at the end. You think they did that? Silver, ah, and gold, ah, I got none. You know, it's kind of like, that's, that's how I picture it, at least. <laughs> at least in my mind. But, you know, that's, that's kind of how I see it. But it's, that's such a great story. And then when Pastor said we're going to be going through some of the acts of the apostles, I was thinking, you know, a lot of people have heard that story, though. There's been a lot of sermons on it. You know, we, from Sunday school on, we hear about it a lot. So I was like, I'm going to do something different. So I kept reading through Acts, and, and I came to what I thought was a, was a pretty good passage, and we had talked about it, and then, man, I just kept hitting wall after wall after wall trying to get this fleshed out. So then I realized that what God wanted me to do and what I wanted to do were two completely different things. So I felt like I needed to come back to the story of the lame beggar. So, you know, I, got, I started to get hyped up again because I was reading through it, and then Peter and John healed the guy. And they're at, it's called the portico, or they're at this beautiful place all day long, and they get arrested. So I keep reading, I keep reading, and then in Acts 4.13, a verse popped out to me. It was like the first time I'd ever read it. Has that ever happened? You've read this verse a bunch of times? Okay, that's fine. It's like, oh, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Not yet. It's later in the message. <laughs> But in, I was rereading through this, and then when I read Acts 4.13, it just jumped out at me. It was like I'd never read it before. And this is what it said. It says, now as they, and the they there's the religious leaders that have them on trial. <clears throat> now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. So last week, we learned that to be an apostle, they had to have been with Jesus. So they recognized these two guys as being apostles. And I was like, dang. They, all it took to flip the minds of the people that were accusing them was a little bit of confidence. So then I got to look into who the they were. And that brought me to kind of the message that I'm going to share today. So 
I just talked about. So the temple guards and the Sadducees came and arrested uh, Peter and John. And while they were arrested, it says 5,000 more people became believers. So this is while they're spending the night in jail because they're waiting till the next day to come before the religious leaders and the elders. And this is what it says. In verse 6 of Acts 4, it says, Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, who were all of high priestly descent. So I wondered who these guys were. If it mentions them by name, I think it means that they're fairly important. And especially after Pastor Justin told us last week that Acts is descriptive, I was like, I got to find out who these guys were. Were they mentioned before? Were they important? Boy, were they. So, does the name Annas ring a bell? No, it didn't. didn't really to me either. So, if it, if it does to you, though, just follow along, share my excitement, because this is pretty cool, okay? So, did you know that Annas is actually mentioned in the Gospels? He's in the, he's in the first movie. It's pretty cool. So, we're in John 18, 12 through 13. I had my mind blown when I, when I dug into this. So verse 12 says, So the Roman cohort, the commander, and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and brought him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Do what? They brought Jesus to these same people. These are the same people that started to pass judgment on Jesus. Now, if you keep reading, Peter was there when this was going on. He was actually hiding outside the door. And somebody looks at Peter and goes, you're one of the apostles. And he denied it. Well, that's just one of the times. So then right after that, he's still sitting there. He's, he's, he's freaking out. What's going on? And some guy looks at him and goes, dude, my cousin just cut your ear off. He denied it again. Two of the three times that Peter denied Jesus, he was standing outside the door of Annas and Caiaphas, who's right now he's standing right in front of. It has come full circle. Here he is. He's standing before this same guy for doing the same thing that Jesus did. And then now they're put in the middle. It says they, they circled them. They put them in the middle, and they begin to inquire by what name and what power they were healing people. Sound familiar? That had just happened not too long ago. So what did it say they, they needed there and what they had? And this is what we will all have to do at one time or another. We will all have to have confidence. Do you all remember June 9th, 1993? Do you? Well, takes a lot, Jeremy. Way to make me feel old. Anybody else remember June 9th? 1993, I was actually with a couple people that are in this room. You see, I worked at Hardee's, and this girl named Tessa I worked with. Tessa was great. I really liked Tessa. I was like, hey, I might ask Tessa out. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, you know, so it's kind of, we went along. Well, then, I just kind of let it go. But then, I met Tessa's best friend. Y'all fell in love immediately. It was like when I saw this girl, there was a wind machine. Blowing that long hair and them big hoops. It was 93, Jeremy. That's what we wore back then. <laughs> Had those big hoops. And they were just blowing. It was like S, uh, Week by SWV was playing in the background. That was one of the top songs then. Y'all, my heart rate went up. Pretty sure a cigarette fell out of my mouth. 
So I fell in love, y'all, immediately. So I had to muster up the courage to ask this young lady out. So on June the 9th, I was like, this is the day I'm going to do it. It was a day later, but anyway. Now, I'm not sure if it was my wispy mustache or all of the biscuit dough that was tied up in my arm hair. But I thought I had something that would make this girl say yes. So I went up to her and I asked her out. And she said, no. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She said yes, and it was Amy. I met her, and we've actually been together since. Now, the, the confidence that it took to ask Amy out is nothing compared to the confidence that Peter and John needed to stand in front of these religious leaders because they knew that these people could have them beaten, they could have them jailed, and if worse, they could have them killed. So, looking back to what I read about Peter, we can all agree that he's in a different spot right now. He's a different person. A lot's happened since that night. You know, he now has the Holy Spirit, which we've been reading about and learning about. You know, the first time he experienced the Holy Spirit, there was this rushing wind and the tongues of fire and all this exciting stuff was going on. But now he has the Holy Spirit again. So if we, we're still in Acts 4, if we start in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, And to all of the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. That's powerful. that's That's a completely different Peter that was cowering outside the window denying Jesus to now saying, this is the name in which we're doing anything. That's the confidence that Peter's gained not only from seeing what Jesus went through, but from also seeing what Jesus said was going to happen, happen. You know, last week, Pastor Justin talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit gives us power. Well, right now we're reading that the Holy Spirit, it also gives us confidence. And it's crazy how a little bit of confidence can change Not only your demeanor, but it changes your mindset as well. Has anyone in here ever had to teach a child how to ride a bike? I have. (laughs) Some people might have some stories, it sounds like. Um, You know, kids are always excited when it comes time to ride a bike. That's that new freedom. You get that little hog, you know, I guess, wind blowing in the hair. It's a big part of growing up, learning how... To ride a bike. So when it came time for my kids to learn how to ride a bike, the first thing I did is I rode a bike to show them that anybody can do it, I guess. Um, So, you know, we get out their little bike and they hop on it and they're so excited. But I think that first time when they get on there and sit, you see that excitement kind of start to, ooh, there's a little bit of fear. All of that excitement, you can tell their mortality is kind of being called into question. So they take off on the bike, and they realize they've got the training wheels on. So it's really not that bad. Well, we quickly took, we we took one training wheel off. We did the unbalanced training wheels and everything like that, because they had to learn how to balance the bike for themselves. It was was too easy 
with the training wheels on. Now, one of the most important things that you can teach a child when they're learning to ride a bike is how to wreck. They're going to have wrecks learning to ride a bike. Now, we weren't the whole helmet and pads type of people. We were more like a Godspeed. <laughs> if it starts to go, tuck and roll. That's, that's the most important thing. But you ever, the kid has that first bicycle wreck, and then they get up, they're like, yeah, there's a little discomfort, but it really wasn't that bad. So now they've got the confidence to get on and go at it again. Now, just like wrecks are inevitable when you're learning to ride a bike, one of the things that we will all face as Christians is there are times when we will all face trials. Now, earlier I mentioned how Acts is kind of a sequel to the Gospels. And one cool thing that happened is the situation that Peter and John find themselves in right now that we're reading about, Jesus actually predicted to them. It's kind of like in the Rocky movies, like when, you know, Rocky's fighting Drago, and he could hear Mick and Apollo Creed, you know, giving him the little pearls of wisdom, or, or like in Star Wars when, you know, when Luke's fighting and, and he can hear Yoda and Obi-Wan, stuff that they had said before. Well, it's, it, this is what it's kind of like. It's pretty cool. So in Luke 12, verse 11, it says, this is Jesus talking. Now, when they bring you before the synagogues and the officials and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Let's look back on this. This is predicted. It's kind of like Jesus saying, training wheels are off, boys. You got it. You can do this. Now, we may not have to stand before the rulers and, and have our lives at stake, especially in today's time. But there will be many times that our faith will be called into to question and will be tried and tested. Most of us are familiar with John 16.33 where it says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. So we kind of expect that. We've all heard that before. But what's interesting is when you get into the Greek. So the Greek word for trial here is flipsis. Flipsis. And the word means affliction, tribulation, <coughs> excuse me, or distress. But it also means compressing or constricting by an outside force. So the, the trials that Jesus are talking about are not maybe what we think we're, we're actually going to be standing trial. But our faith will be tested because we're going to be pressed upon by the outside world. You know, why we face trials and tribulations, that's a completely different sermon, sermon series. But think of some of the things that we do face. What are some ways that we experience flipsis? You know, many times that we feel pressured because the way we believe and some of our core, core values goes against what the world says they should be. And we get reproach or we get disapproval from those around us. You know, sometimes we feel like we are being persecuted. Now, persecuted doesn't really mean that you're going to be hunted down and killed every time. In fact, the definition of persecute says it's to oppress, abuse, harass, or mistreat someone, especially because of their beliefs. The church has been called out many times 
because our core beliefs go against what the world says they should be. And then here you've got two guys that we're reading about that are being persecuted for the message they believe and they are sharing. And their lives are in jeopardy because they are healing people and they are changing people's lives. They are making a difference in the world and here they are standing trial. You see, persecution is the exact opposite of religious freedom. Now, we're all gonna face some of these trials. This flips this, this these uncomfortable periods. And we're gonna be called into question to explain ourselves. And it's gonna feel like we're gonna be on trial, kind of like Peter and John are going through. They've been called to explain themselves. And they've been questioned by what power and what name are they doing these things. Now, something that's really interesting in this, if you read through the entire passages, the guy that they healed at the portico was standing with them the entire time. The entire time they were being grilled by the religious leaders. That man is standing right there. And if you go back and read about it, everyone knew who this guy was. Because for years he had been set out there. So everyone knew who he was. And, and the, the leaders are looking at them. And what's odd is here they are on trial. But they're not being questioned if the man was healed or not. He's standing before them. In fact, in verse 14 it says, With the man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? They had nothing. Their case, there was nothing. So what are they actually being accused of? Well, if we look back just a little bit, Jesus was accused of these exact same things. The miracles that were taking place, the lives that were being changed. He was being questioned about these exact same things. And, you know, they had seen, Peter and John had seen the apostles beaten, arrested, locked up, accused of sorcery, blasphemy, all these other things. The charges against Jesus were ridiculous, but yet they keep going. And here we are, we're seeing some of the same miracles done, and people can't deny that they're miracles. They're still trying to accuse them and get them in trouble for something, something that they still can't argue with. And their accusers find nothing wrong. And whenever we're being accused of something because of our faith or what we believe, we have to realize that's nothing new. The story we're reading about was thousands of years ago, and it's still going on with Christians today. So, as a believer, at one time or another, you will be accused of something. Did you know that one of the names for the devil is the accuser? Uh, we read about that in Revelation 12, and it's kind of like the devil's a slimy lawyer, and he tries to point out our sins to God to try to take us down. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the grace, the grace that we are given, those lies, they fall on deaf ears. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been accused of being a Christian? Have you ever been called out because of your faith? I have. And it's, it's, not, it's not that comfortable. But once you realize that these things are going to happen, you can be prepared. And there's a verse that really changed my mind about when this happens. And it's 1 Peter 3, 
And it says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. It, it finds me, I find that it gives me a little more confidence knowing that all I need is an answer. I don't have to be ready to explain myself over and over and over. It doesn't say be prepared to argue and debate. Peter and John aren't doing it. So if you were to go to court over an incident that you were not guilty of, don't you think you would take a little bit of time to, to get the evidence together, to read it over, to be ready to say why you're not guilty? Well, as Christians, we don't have to explain ourselves. We just have to be ready to give a reason why we believe what we believe. And just like we were talking about, the religious leaders, they can't refute the evidence that was standing right there before them. And that's the same way if God does something in your life and people know who you are or who you were, you can't deny it when God has performed a miracle in your life. Share it. What has God done for you? Think about it. Has there been deliverance, restoration of relationships, restoration of your life? Many other things that happen in our lives are attributed to God working in it. And when that happens and you share it and you tell people about it, always make sure that you say it's God that did it. It wasn't anything that we did. God has done this for me. So, going back to the story. What did Peter and John's accusers decide? What was their sentencing going to be? Well, let's take a look. In verse 16, it says, What are we to do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let's warn them not to speak any longer to any person in this name. So what's their punishment? They would put in Facebook jail. So let me get this straight. You've got these two guys that walked with Jesus. They saw the, the miracles that he did. And then now they're out. Thousands and thousands and thousands of lives are being changed because what these two guys are doing, they're spreading the name of Jesus to anyone and everyone who will listen. And you're telling them that you got to be quiet. Doesn't sound like that's going to work. So they look at their accusers, and this is what they say. In verse 20, they say, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So, think about what God has done in your life or done in the lives of those around you. What I, my challenge to you is don't stop sharing it. Tell everyone about what God has done for you. And no matter what people say, you know, no matter if you're censored on social media, 
people try to discount your character or anything like that. Don't stop sharing. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go stand on a street corner with a bullhorn and yell at people. Because the last part of 1 Peter 3.15 told us that when we share, we're supposed to do it with gentleness and kindness. But one thing it doesn't say there is we don't share with meekness and doubt. And that's what Peter and John are doing here. They have confidence. People were being saved by the thousands because of the one man who was healed. So think about that. Think of all the people that know you. Hey, my, my old life's been called into question quite a few times. They're like, we remember that. And I'm like, yeah, I remember that too. But that's not who I am anymore. Because of one life, it's at 5,000 people that day. 5,000 people from one act of God. People knew the man who was healed. They knew his story. And there was no way that they could deny the miracle that had taken place, like we just read, through Peter and John. They didn't heal him. It was through them that he was healed. Let your life be the same way. So there was, I made three points today. And they were, we will all have to have confidence. We will all face trials. And we will all be accused of something. But now what I want to do is we're gonna, I'm going to take these three points and I'm going to flip them around. This isn't to bring anybody down or anything like that. But as believers, we will all be accused of something. So that means that at one time or another, we will all face trials. So when we do, we will all have to have confidence. And where does that confidence come from? That comes from the Holy Spirit. So being called out for faith is nothing new. It's been happening forever, and, and it's going to continue. So don't be surprised if it happens to you. But you can't be afraid when it does either. You know, we read in Acts 4.13 that Peter and John's confident, confidence was greater than their education and their training. I don't, I don't know how many of us in here today are watching our biblical scholars or have been completely trained in ministry. But this is what's cool. The only difference between Peter and John and our ministry, I'm going to lump us all in together. We all have a ministry. The only difference between what they were able to do and what we can do is they got to hang out with Jesus. Everything else is the same. We are identical to what they can do. But what we have to do is we have to have confidence in our faith and what we believe. We have to have confidence in our God and we have to have confidence in the work that he does. Because when we do, that's going to help us when those trials and those accusations and those uncomfortable times, they come. So we're getting ready to head back into a time of worship. We've already heard about our God's a mighty warrior. 
We've already heard about an unstoppable God. So there's nothing that's happening in your life that should hold you back. Keep pushing forward. We should have confidence as we leave this place today, as we go out into the world, as we tell people about Jesus. And that confidence, we have to remember, it comes from the Holy Spirit. So as we're going back into this time of worship, you can stand, you can sit. But what I want you to do is think, do you have that confidence in you, if you were to be questioned? The first time it happens, it's pretty uncomfortable. It's, it's you, kind of, you kind of feel down a little bit. It's kind of like that first bike wreck. And then you realize, no, I can do this. Push yourselves to listen to the Holy Spirit when these things happen. We'll have people in the back that can pray with you if you need prayer. I'll be up, I'll be up in here. I'd love to pray with you if you need it. But take this time to worship and to reflect and to ask. Ask for confidence. Ask and it'll be given to you. We ask in the name of Jesus for something and it's coming. So if you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit. But let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you are working in this place and that you are working in all of our lives. And Holy Spirit, as we learn more about you and what you can do for us and what you do with us, let, us, let our ministries grow. Let the way we share grow. Let us grow as individuals. So Father, we just, again, we're just so thankful that we have you as we're going through these, these challenging times. A lot of stuff is being called into question. But Lord, let us have the confidence that we will continue to share no matter what how you can work in someone's life because of how you're working in our lives. Holy Spirit, speak to us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.